Hey everyone, I need your attention for one minute. This is not one of those ads. This is something that has changed my entire life. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that this is all about personal development as the foundation for everything good in your life. And this podcast is now sponsored by Growth Day, which is the world's first all-in-one personal development app. I mean, oh my gosh, can you imagine having everything all in one place that you need to create the life that you want? Now you can. So if you've been struggling with your motivation, your mood, your productivity, or your purpose, you have to check this out. Growth Day helps you consciously change your life and achieve your potential. It has all the self-improvement tools, motivational classes, and life coaching all in one place. So many of us want to improve our lives, but the question is how? Where do we start? What do we use? How do you get unstuck? How do you make self-improvement stick? Well, research shows how. It's when you consistently journal, track your habits, set goals, learn from empowering mentors, and challenge yourself that you'll be happier, healthier, and more successful. But let me ask you something. Where do you actually do all of your personal development work? I have to tell you that over 300,000 people use Growth Day for a reason. It works. It's the world's number one software for self-improvement. Growth Day has an amazing mindset journal that I absolutely love, a habit tracker, and a goal-setting system. In fact, I bet if you went to my stories this week, you probably saw me using the journaling app and telling you to do it too, because it's the first time that journaling has ever actually stuck consistently in my life because of this app. And best of all, Growth Day has live inspirational classes every single week from the world's top motivational speakers and life coaches. These are people who have impacted my life in huge ways. These are mentors who I already knew and loved. In fact, this is something that's so huge for me, you guys. I personally teach a class in Growth Day every single month, and it is one of the most fun things that I get to do, and I'd love to see you there. These classes will truly shift your life. There's always something new that you will learn. So join me in 300,000 Achievers Growing Our Lives with actual real intention. Visit growthday.com slash Lori for a free trial. Yes, you can try this for free. So go to growthday.com slash Lori and go live your best life. You guys, that's growthday.com forward slash Lori. And I can't wait to see you there. Welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. Hello. 
Hello, everybody. On today's episode, you are going to learn how saying yes to the little nudges from your soul can change your life, how having a setback can force you into a new and better path, how struggles can shift you into gratitude and into finding your ultimate purpose. My guest today is Angelique Nori. She is a mother of two beautiful little girls. She is happily married, an entrepreneur powerhouse, author and business life and health coach, not to mention a third degree black belt, 2007 world silver medalist, XMA extreme martial arts champion, Whoa, two-time national fitness champion, five-time fitness cover model, smoke show. I just added that. So I am so beyond thrilled to have this amazing woman, personal best friend of mine on the show today to share her life story with you. So let's get started. Angelique, I am so incredibly excited to have you on because you are pretty much my first interview. And I'm beyond thrilled because really, I just feel like we are sitting um, at each other's houses and sitting on the couch talking, which is my favorite. So I just want to talk back um, to the first time that we met. Mm. And (laughs) uh, if you guys don't know, we were both in fitness competitions, which is like when you get on stage and you grease up your muscles and (laughs) you try to look feminine (laughs) posing while you're flexing. (laughs) And it's kind of funny now, but you know, looking back, we were very serious about it because it was, it was a huge goal. It was a huge accomplishment. And I remember seeing Angelique up on stage and just, I'm not kidding you. It was like the heavens opened up and a goddess came down this beautiful Greek goddess. And I was like, what just happened? (laughs) The world as I knew it changed because she was so stunningly beautiful. But really, um, you know, you look up to these people in your life and I just saw her on stage and she was so inspiring. It wasn't about competing. It wasn't about, oh, my God, this girl's totally going to beat me because she was going to and I knew it. Um, it, It truly was about, oh, my God, she is so inspiring and she had so much grace. And that's the word that follows Angelique for me is there was so much love and grace in her presence. And I remember going out into the audience And I just walked by you and I think I said, oh my God, you're so gorgeous. And you grabbed my arm and, and you said, oh honey, you are gorgeous. Like something so sweet that I was like, oh my God, she just talked to me. Um, (laughs) but it was this moment that it's just like everything fell away. Everything that people would think about people just fell away and your soul shined right through. And that was just a, a moment for me that I became a fan forever. And I had no idea that we were going to be such good friends now, best friends. Um, So I just wanted to bring us back to that point because, um, you know, the more that I learned about you, the more your journey is one of the most inspirational journeys that I have ever heard of. So I'm blessed, 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 blessed to not only have you as a friend, but for you to be on my podcast. I am like beyond honored to be on here and I'm so freaking proud of you and everything that you're doing and and actually starting this. It's just, it's awe-inspiring every single day you motivate me. Um, and just going back to the moment of fitness America, when we were there competing together, I would just want everyone to understand how intimidating this was for me. Um, I, and we'll talk about how I ended up in fitness, but I felt like I had absolutely no business being there. There were all these seasoned veterans and women that had already been on the cover of magazines and I recognized them and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is my first show. What am I doing? What? am I doing with all of these women? I was so intimidated. 
I remember seeing Lori. She's just this tall, statuesque, beautiful figure in my category. And I was like the shortest one in the tall category mm-hmm. and thinking why well, I just, I'm, I'm totally not supposed to be here. <laughs> um, but the whole reason I had, and I realized I had to keep that out of my mind because the whole reason that I came into fitness was to kind of speak against it in this weird way. Um, I was so intrigued by the ability to empower the human body, but I I quite, you know, I had a hard time understanding when I was turning the pages of fitness magazines, why women were in their underwear to sell a fat burner. So, (laughs) so I just remember saying, okay, uh, God, if I'm going to have any say in this at all, I know you're going to make me roam among them. Mm. (laughs) So that was the only reason I actually competed in the first place. So uh, I put on a bikini and heels and, and sort of the rest is history. And that's why we're here, but how interesting that you and I met on stage in Las Vegas in 2008 at a um, Bikini America show. And here we are, best friends doing business and trying to change the world together. It's just unreal, totally unreal. Oh, my God. And thank God for that. I'm so glad yeah. we connected. And I think that's hilarious, too, because the entire reason that I got into fitness was the beginning was about overcoming anxiety. I was like, what is the craziest thing that I can do to make sure that I don't end up in a padded room because I had massive anxiety. And it was like, okay, I think that putting on a bikini and heels will scare the crap out of me. And I was right. Um, (laughs) So it's funny. We were both kind of overcoming either, like I was overcoming the demon of like anxiety and being so freaked out that I was going to, you know, have panic attacks like my mother for the rest of my life that I had to do something so big and bold to prove it to myself. And I really want to talk to you about that today because, you know, the, the name of the podcast is Earn Your Happy because truly you and I both know when we have these great conversations, especially when wine is involved, um, we, (laughs) we can get really, really, you know, just deep into what the meaning of life, the purpose of life and the purpose of enjoying every moment and what it really looks like to be happy. What does that mean? And I think the way that both of us lead our lives and the reason we connected over fitness is because it's about earning it. Like, what do you have to do to make yourself proud every single day or to prove to yourself that you're strong and you have the strength to, you know, grow into the next person that you need to be for that next goal? So, you know, that's the thing that I admire about you is just the more that I learn about you throughout the years. Isn't that funny? You can like know somebody for years and you can learn something new the, more, the you know, with every extra bottle of wine that you drink. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I keep talking about wine, but because uh, we out of them together. <laughs> <laughs> but really, the more I learn about you, the more I'm I just am am inspired. So I want to bring that to everybody, all of you guys who are listening today, because Angelique to me has been able to tap into her happiness and not just tap into her happiness, but share the tools for you to be happy too through the the muck, through the crap, through um some really tormenting times in our life. So, and can you bring me back to a time in your life when you really like that moment, maybe way, way back when you realized that you really had to find strength within yourself? Mm. Um, yeah. And then we'll go way back. We'll way go way, way, way <laughs> back. Um, I was seven mm. years old and my parents, and I just, and what's so interesting about this story is I remember so vividly writing a journal entry in the second grade. And my teacher, her name was Miss Thompson, and she always encouraged us to write in our journals. And I remember having this journal entry, and I think it was like September 27th of like 1987 or some craziness. Mm. 
that's how vivid it is. Um, and I wrote about how much I loved my life and my, I loved my parents and we had a beautiful home and a, a, a black Labrador and a parakeet. And I just went on and on how amazing it was. And in a couple of weeks, my entire life was ripped from my hands and it started, um, with my parents' divorce, which I was sort of maybe um, unaware of until like the couple weeks leading up to the final split. And I remember standing in the driveway of my house in Florida and my dad had called me outside and he was sitting in his green Cadillac and he had his, you know, thick glasses on, sunglasses. And he said to me, are you leaving me, baby? And I, I even remember seeing the tears well in his eyes and, and sort of like this regretful look on his face. And somehow I just mustered this courage, like this brave woman opened my mouth and said, you know, you told us to go. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he responded, he goes, no, 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 I, I told your mother to leave. And, and I said, but daddy, again, I was seven. I said, but daddy, did you really expect her to leave me here without her? So it was like before my whole life had to start over before it even began, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I had to understand the, the meaning of drumming up strength in a situation where you had to shoulder an, a life-altering experience before I even was taught what the word, word strength was. Um, so to me, strength, it never has been how much weight you can bear. It's how much grace you can exemplify in the midst of it. Mm. Um, you know, so that's been the earliest experience that I could recall to where I remember just this little girl growing into a woman that was brave enough to open her mouth and understand a situation that was, was probably far too advanced for any seven year old. I went from riding my bike in the streets with my friends that lived two doors down to, um, you know, understanding divorce and moving to a whole new state and starting over and, and trying to muster up the strength for my mom who was crumbling before my eyes, you know? So it was this me against the world, uh, me and you against the world think, thinking that my mom had, and I always felt like I needed to be her rock because as an only child, I had no one else to lean on. And um, therefore I felt like I had to be the foundation for her and myself. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't think, you know, obviously it's like we look at our lives now and you can get so wrapped up in what you're doing. You don't even realize the effect that it could potentially obviously be having on your children. And I know that you are so highly aware of that too. So what did, what, what did that do? You know, when your mom said, I know you shared that with me, that your mom said, Ange, it's you and me against the world. What did that make you feel like in your daily life? How did that affect your relationship maybe with your dad or with everybody in your life? I think it was the beginning of the mold. Um, you know, this little girl had to understand loss, adjustment, acceptance, humility. Um, again, like I said, starting over before life really began. So it began this mold and it's like where life turns you into clay, you know, and it starts to shape you and form you and, and then it hardens you and then it refines you again, just like, just like, just like molding clay. It's, it's sort of like how God is molding us each every single day. And, um, in order for you to be this refined piece of art, you have to go through some crap. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've always sort of looked at every situation with acceptance and understanding that there was going to be a lesson for it. And you have to draw the lesson to gain wisdom rather than self-sabotaging yourself or becoming self-destructive in the process. Mm, What you just said about acceptance, because 
honestly, you could have turned into someone who was super hardened, hardened against men, upset at the world, upset with your dad, just feel like everything or everyone is against you. Cause that's a statement that could really rock your world, right? It's Mm -hmm. me and you against the world. Like everyone's (laughs) against us. Mm -hmm. So at such a young age, the word acceptance was that, did you, were you using that? Like, were you like, I'm just accepting where I am and moving through, or did that come later? I think it came later. Um, I accepted it in the beginning because, you know, there was some weird excitement at the age of seven because my grandmother lived where we moved in New Jersey. And Mm -hmm. I was just so happy to go see my grandmother. And then it was like, holy crap, all of my best friends are calling the house because they haven't seen me in school. And my dad had to explain to them that I didn't live there anymore. Mm. You know, so there were these things and my mom was, was angry and hurt. And there were times that I had that resentment towards my dad and I didn't want to talk to him. Um, But I always had this fondness for him because I really, truly loved my dad. And I didn't, I didn't blame him for any of it. I just couldn't understand um, why this happened. Mm -hmm. So it, it did come later. There were, there was, absolutely the ups and downs of the coping, um, that people typically go through when, when life throws, you know, throws a knuckleball at them, you know, (laughs) or a change up. And it, it, to me, it was just understanding the the process and, and learning to not blame, complain and justify in, in the midst of it all. Um, where did you learn that? Do you know? I really don't know. I, I just, I felt like, Gosh, I and there is a time in my life I remember when we moved back to Florida and I went to go visit my best friend again at the time who lived two houses down from where I had lived when my parents were still together. So imagine this. Imagine I'm visiting her and I haven't spoken to my dad. And we're playing in the streets. I've just moved back to Florida, playing in the streets, and all of a sudden I see my dad whom I haven't spoken to come out of the house and get in his car. And I ran and hid behind a bush because I didn't want him to see me. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember watching the car drive by and seeing him at the wheel and just my heart sank because I loved him so much. And I was like missing life with him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how am I sitting here hiding from somebody that I love so much? Why am I, why am I hiding? You know, why, why am I afraid for him to see me? And that's when I realized I wasn't blaming him. Um, I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't point fingers at something I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, there were two people that loved each other and, you know, they fought just as passionate as they, lo- as they loved. So I, I just, I had to learn to accept that and know that I can either allow history to repeat itself and have that same kind of um, feeling towards men the rest of my life mm-hmm. and, you know, never love again like my mother um, or or I can rise above it and not make somebody else guilty for someone else's crime, you know. So that brings me to the next question. Like for you, what ended up happening through high school for you? Well, I re- reestablished a relationship with my father um, and we started to like rekindle that. I always felt like there was, this, I had to make up for a lost time um, with him. So I just, we, we spent every weekend together that we could. And um, I remember having conversations with him where he would ask me, you know, do you, do you harbor any resentment or do you regret what happened between your mom and I? And, and I just remember looking at him at one night at dinner as a young girl and, um, and said, no, 
I don't. And the reason why is because I feel like what happened between you and mom is what molded and shaped me into who I am. Um, had you stayed together and not had the, the marriage that the two of you had envisioned, I might have a completely different view of what love is. Mm. Uh, I, I may not have be, be the woman that I am. I may not have the ability to, to, you know, shoulder the things that I can shoulder. So I really kind of thank you guys, um, in such a weird way, you know, for giving me that experience. But I, I do also want to say that I had to find pride in myself in that because I could have gone two different directions. I could have completely been a train wreck, you know, and allowed that situation to turn me into, um, a victim my entire life. And again, blame everything that was going wrong on what happened between my mom and dad. But instead, I used that experience um, to shape me and to and to bring me wisdom rather than destruction. That I mean, everything that you're saying, there's going to be throughout this and already there's going to be a through line of um, your capability to immediately look for the lesson and how it's strengthened you and what you've gained from it. And I think it's always what we're focusing on. And that's one thing that about you I always see it's immediately well where's the good in this how Mm. can this be good how could I teach this how could I use this Mm -hmm. and that in and of itself is not only you know a great coping mechanism but such a beautiful thing that um, helps you wake up and find purpose right so that brings me to um, the next question and I know that you um, started getting into Taekwondo at 21. What made you, what, what even started that? What did you get out of it? I know it was a massive transition in your life. <laughs> it was, it totally was. And, um, so unexpected, you know, even at the age of seven, when I, when I did live in Florida, it's so funny, like my best friends, um, other than the little girl that lived down the street from me that I grew up with in the church were boys and they were always playing with nunchucks. And, um, I absolutely loved the nunchucks. I <laughs> I remember wanting to be like a teenage ninja turtle at, at such a <sighs> age. I was such a tomboy and, um, I always wanted to do it, but because of, you know, the divorce and because of my mom and dad splitting, there were so many things, including gymnastics and Taekwondo or karate, whatever you want to do. I wasn't able to do it. My mom couldn't afford it. We moved. There was just no more roots for me to, to build in the area. So, um, it was sort of this weird childhood dream that I wanted to pursue And, uh, I was leaving the gym one day, which was right across from where I lived at the time. And I was walking home and this brand new martial arts studio had just opened. And I'm telling you, it was bare bones. I don't even think they had their carpet down yet. And the master and one of the chief instructors were in there and there was a sign in the window that said free month and free uniform. And I was walking with my friend Christy and they kind of waved us to come inside and she goes, let's do it. Let's do it. So that Friday, that week, that Friday morning, we went at like nine o'clock in the morning and they put us through what they called a light workout, which we did a lot of stretching and like leg swings and stuff like that. And I remember them warning us and saying, you'll probably be a little bit sore on Sunday, you know, and Friday night, I think I had a date that night, Friday night, I came home and I tried to get up my stairs and I, I felt like the missing link. Like my, my hands were dragging across the ground when I was walking because my <laughs> hamstrings were so tight and I was so sore and I was hooked. I was so hooked. So, um, I finished out the month and I wasn't going to be able to join because I couldn't afford it. I was a full-time student and, 
um, I remember Master Diaz looked at me. He goes, you would make a great instructor, you know? <laughs> and I was like, is this guy on, is he on drugs? I've only been doing this for a couple of weeks. What's he talking about? He's like, no, I know a skill when I see it. Um, and I really need help here answering the phones. And maybe when I work with the kids, would you be willing to work a couple of days a week? And, and kind of like in lieu of my membership. So I was like, oh, how perfect. So that's what I did. And um, sort of the rest is history in terms of, uh, you know, where that took me in life. But I just fell in love with the art and the philosophy of it. And I feel like it's really cross-pollinated the way that I teach and coach women now. And I hear that all the time, which is really, really cool because I know nothing about Taekwondo, but apparently now I know a lot about it, but more just <laughs> more just the parallels of life with it, which is so yeah. cool. And I know if people really start following you, which you have to do, um, they're going to learn a lot more as well. But I, but I don't just want to say the rest is history. We can't just be like, ah, I started teaching and the rest is history <laughs> because, <laughs> because so much cool stuff happened. Like Angelique is like Angelique Norris. Like really she should be Chuck <laughs> Norris's like bride, um, but like way cooler. Uh, so tell us what actually happened. Like how many, how many boards, how many trees did you break? Oh <laughs> gosh. Um, you know, I, I did train in an advanced program where, um, it was interesting. I remember this is kind of how I've always approached life, but, uh, I had to do an advanced training because if I was going to be helping him on the floor, not only did I have to learn my own belt techniques to test in advance, I had to learn techniques and forms of those belts ahead of me so that I could assist him on the floor. So I was training massive amount of hours, um, outside of the seven classes a day on average that we would teach. I was also training two to three hours of my own every day. And I remember one night we were, I was training late after classes and I was, he was teaching me a black belt technique and I was still a yellow belt at the time is like your third belt. And he, and he said, and my maiden name was Soinos. He goes, Miss Soinos, you know, cause I was so frustrated that I couldn't get this kick. He's like, Miss Soinos, you are a yellow belt and you're trying to do a black belt technique. It's not going to happen in one night, you know? And I remember just thinking, holy crap, that just taught me a huge lesson because mm -hmm. I wanted to do everything now. Yeah. And not everything like that happens in life. You, you really have to allow, um, you know, grace to, grace to um, enter into situations like that and, and know that it's you against yourself and you just have to be better than you were yesterday. Um, but I digress. So, you know, I, I trained ahead and, and I started to compete and my goal was to be a state champion and to at least finish top 10 in the world. Mm -hmm. And, um, I remember one night I had just booked my ticket to Las Vegas, which would have been my first trip to Las Vegas. My dad, who was Mr. Vegas himself, couldn't wait to go with me. So he was coming with me and my ticket to Vegas was for nationals because I was right at the time ranked first in the state of Florida. And, um, we were trading this night in sparring and I remember Master Diaz said, okay, last minute round of sparring. And I did a jump round kick and I heard a pop and I just went down and grabbed my knee. And I remember feeling like my femur just slide right over my tibia. I said, oh God, that wasn't good. <laughs> um, and I blew out my ACL. Um, and I, I knew once I heard that, you know, I went to see my orthopedic, he said, 
you know, that I have to have surgery. Okay, well, I'm competing next month. So let's get this done. And he goes, I don't think you understand. This is like a six month to a year recovery. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. (laughs) So I had to go to Vegas while rehabbing and watch my title be forfeited, you know, and giving it given up to the other girl in line in, in state. And um, I of course couldn't compete in nationals. So it was like, I went back and I wanted a grueling rehab and I wanted to get back on my feet in no time so that I could meet my goal. So a couple months later, when I was cleared to start at least training a little bit, I was up for my black belt testing and, um, I was only using the leg I could. I remember master Diaz saying it right before, you know, my final station, he's like, just use the leg you can, which means use your good leg to plant pivot jump, but don't you know, do anything with the bad leg. The bad leg was just used for shadow kicking, so to speak. And I took a jump front kick and I, my right knee, which was my good knee, completely dislocated. Mm -hmm. So when you can think about dislocating a shoulder and it subluxes and it comes out of the joint, goes back right, right back in, that's what happened to my knee. Mm -hmm. And I remember just going down and going, holy smokes. Uh, I knew exactly what happened. So I went back in the equipment closet and I was crying and the testings were still going on. And he came in to get me out of the equipment closet and he goes, we'll just do it next week. And I looked at him, I said, there's not going to be one. And I said, I'm not going out like this. I'm not leaving this, this dojo on tonight without a black belt. And I asked for permission to break my boards with all hand techniques. And he let me. So I broke the stations and, um, immediately got my black belt. And then I went to the ER (laughs) Uh, and had a surgery on my second knee. So I didn't have a good leg to stand on for a long time. Um, but being an instructor and teaching, you know, at the youngest ages of three, um, I had to teach perseverance. So I couldn't go there and have a pity party. I had to teach them per- perseverance by showing up every day and and um, and teaching them and getting up and showing them forms and, and, and exemplifying what that meant. Mm-hmm. So um, it took me a long time to drum up the courage to compete again. But when I finally did, a couple of years later, I um, not only finished first in the state, but I um, won nationals, and then I went on to compete at world championships and took home the silver medal. Oh, my God. So it was a huge, huge accomplishment. But after that, I knew it was time to hang up my gloves. That is so, so to me, that is, I mean, to everybody, that is such an amazing story because I just feel like there were so many reasons that, a, you could have stopped, and B, you know, you're to anyone that knows of Angelique and what she does, you're such a uh, active person, right? Like your whole life revolves around moving your body. You love moving your body. So, I mean, to even have injuries like that, most people would definitely, um, it would stop them. But at the same time, just the power, I think, of the strength throughout your life and everything that you took, you know, to, to muster up, how much of it. Can you honestly look back and realize, I'm sure from that moment, you can look at so many things in your life and realize how mental everything is. Well, you know, I think the school of life has taught me that whether you're in the thick of it now or you're being held hostage by a memory, because we all can do that, Mm -hmm. the the healing of it is the required course for you to move forward and make room for that you truly desire in your life. Mm. And, um, and that's what I think people struggle with the most is because they feel the weight of their world. And 
I don't care who you are because pain is inevitable, right? Mm -hmm. The circumstances that we're going to face, pain is inevitable. And it's the same for whatever I'm feeling in pain in my life is going to be the same pain that you're experiencing. It's going to be just as large for you at the scale that you're used to feeling it. The suffering is the choice, Mm. right? The suffering is the choice. It's how you react to it that's the choice or how you respond to it, I should say. Um, So the pain will always be there. But it's it's the suffering that you have to decide whether or not you're you're going to allow to overcome you. And that's again, that's simply how I've been able to approach everything. You know, it's like nature itself. It's beautiful and it's powerful all at the same time. Mm. And you have to respect it. And life is exactly the same way. Mm. It can it can be beautiful or it can be a force. And sometimes that force is not pretty. But you have to know that it just is and it flows and it's there and it's there to teach you. It's there to form you. It's, it's there to refine you. And you have to accept that because we're all going to handle, handle it at some point in time. Wow. So now you're a triple, quadruple, 100 million star diamond black belt. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you're, you were a third degree black belt. You were teaching... Um, then you just had this massive stuff. You realize that it's time to hang up the gloves, your identity, probably, you probably started to get an identity of who you were through that. Um, but at the same time, it's like, oh my God, it's over. What, what now? I don't think people realize unless you've played sports or maybe you've had a, a career where all of a sudden something happens and it's ended. It's like, what that moment of what now? Well, what now? So at the time, if you remember when I was telling that story, I was a college student when I first started. So I dropped out of college. I loved martial arts so much that I thought I was going to make this my lifelong career because it could be very lucrative when you have your own schools, um, lots and lots of money in it, uh, you know, if you do it the right way or you can struggle. But I was going to be the person that made a lot of money. That was just my decision. However, you know, in my late 20s, as I started to approach, you know, eight years of teaching, I was like, okay, so I am working with anywhere from the age of three to 83 of children and adults and families. And I'm not going to have children or family of my own Mm. because I was spending, you know, 10 to 12 hours a day in the studio. And I had no, I had no social life, none whatsoever. I was taking on the responsibility of these other families and they were relying on me. Like they, it's almost as if that when they bought the program for their kid, they bought Angelique. Mm. So it was one of the biggest decisions and the hardest decisions of my life to walk away was because these kids literally, you know, like I was their mentor. I was their, you know, their teacher of life in this philosophy because the training truly began when they walked out the doors Mm -hmm. and they relied on me for that. So it was a really tough decision for me to make. And I remember going, I had like one of those, oh crap moments when I resigned, so to speak. And I remember going, holy crap, I've been kicking and punching for the last eight years. What am I going to do now? I've dropped out of school. I really don't have, you know, a a trade or a degree or anything to fall back on. What am I going to do? And I remember picking up the Bible and reading the book of Proverbs and specifically the chapter 31 of a woman of noble character. And it was like God breathed over me that night. And I started to just write this mission and I go, holy smokes, we all have it. We all have every tool that we need to go to work with. And they're intangible gifts that we can't see. It's the gift of discipline and integrity and love and bravery and courage. And 
so all of these things, and I was like, I don't need a title. I don't need a degree. I just need to go to, to work with my tool belt on every single day. And that's when I just knew I had to brave it and, and you know, enter the world of, of corporate America or wherever I could make money because I knew that I could run circles around somebody with a degree if I just went to work with my tool belt. Mm, okay, so I know what happens next, but please keep going. <laughs> Um, well, so I dabbled in real estate a little bit and that's when the market crashed. So that was really crappy timing. And then, um, I (laughs) got a job in medical sales starting in radiology. So I was selling like the service of radiology x-rays and, you know, MRIs and CTs. And I started to get, um, a really good reputation in the medical community. And I apparently had resurrected a um, a company in a territory that had a really bad past, which I didn't know about <laughs> until I was like in the job for a while. So I skyrocketed the sales for this company. I, I grew the territory like 900%. It was something they had never seen before. And I was like, okay, so I have a knack for relationships, um, building relationships, building trust with customers again, that had had, um, you know, a checkered past, so to speak. And I was able to bring life again to a company that was in really in need of it. So, um, with that as my leverage, I was able to move up in the medical device industry. Um, I ended up leaving that company and was hired by another company in, um, spine hardware, which that took a, took a really bad turn. So you want to talk about adversity again. Um, I was working for a distributorship and, um, we, we worked in surgery all the time with, with surgeons and doing spine surgery. And my manager at the time, um, apparently, um, thought that there was more to my job than just showing up on work for work. He wanted to marry me. <laughs> and if I didn't date him, I couldn't have a job. So oh. I didn't date him and therefore I was let go. Oh, awesome. Uh, Great. <laughs> which led to um, legal issues and all kinds of stuff. And then, of course, because of not having a job um, for, I think it was nine or 10 months, I almost lost my house. Um, I was nearly homeless. Um, thank God for my mom and my dad at the time because they helped me put food in my mouth and groceries on the table. Um, I went from you know, being as, as high as a kite in terms of making money to as, as low as they get again. Wow. And I was desperate. Um, I was really desperate. It was at the time that I kind of poured myself into fitness because I had to find some way to empower my body. Um, but finally I did answer a a monster.com job ad, um, for my final job in the medical device industry before I transitioned out of corporate. And I did very, very well with that company. And I will forever be grateful for them for helping them resurrect my, a very low point in my life and my career. Mm. Can you share with us about what happened when your um, boss had asked you about where you went to college? <laughs> so I got hired on this company um, to be a territory manager. Um, they liked a college degree, but it wasn't required for this particular position. Um, I ended up doing very well. I was in that position for about four years. And then I was offered um, the opportunity to apply for a promotion for a regional director, which would have handled the entire mid-Atlantic region um, of a whole new line of products, including the one that I had sold. And the vice president of this division was the one doing the interviews. So I was up against some really, really heavy hitters. I just didn't, I didn't allow myself to think about the competition. I just really wanted the opportunity. And, um, 
I flew to North Carolina. I had this, this, um, interview a, a whole line of interviews. And then he called me on a Sunday and he, um, he said, Hey, I just had a few more questions for you. He asked me a couple of questions. And then his final question was, um, so do you want the job? Mm. And naturally I accepted and I was really excited. And my husband and I were going to move to North Carolina. We just had a baby. It was a brand new start. And about a week after, when we were already making plans for the transition, he called, he's like, Hey, we're about to release the, the newsletter through the company that you have now taken on the role of the Mid-Atlantic Regional Director. I just need to put in there um, where you got your, your degree. And I was like, uh, uh, I thought you knew that I'm a college dropout. <laughs> so he goes, okay. Uh, well, most people with this position have a master's. And I said, well, Mike, you've already hired me. So what are you going to do now? And, <laughs> uh, I just remember saying, look, I respect whatever decision that you need to make at this point. And if you want to go back and hire any of one of the other candidates that have a master's degree, go right ahead. I said, but I will guarantee you that I will run circles around them. Hmm. And he gave me the opportunity. And I, in the very first quarter, be was the number one territory in the country. So hmm. I proved him wrong. <laughs> Do you think so? This is what I want for the the listeners to get, because I think some people could either be sitting here going, whoa, I don't have that confidence. Like, that's so not me. But it can be them, because clearly you just told us what you came from and what you went through. What is something that you could like? Sh what's a tip that you could share with them if they're going to because I think what happens to people is they, we limit ourselves, right? We put a cap on ourselves. What can you tell them to take that cap off or faking the confidence or just, you know, fake it till you make it. What is that thing? Like, what could you tell them if you knew that there was a position that maybe they wanted to go for, or, you know, get just a nugget of the confidence that you're talking with right now? <laughs> you know, I always call on that little girl that stood in the driveway, you know, when I talked to my dad, the one that drummed up the amount of strength that it took to say the things that I say and have such an adult conversation at such a, such a ripe age. So I call on her a lot and, and I encourage anybody that's feeling, you know, something like this in their life that they call on, you know, a, a time in their life when they felt they're something courageous or, um, or you know, stronger than they are right now because you wouldn't want to disappoint that child. Mm. And so that's who I picture. I picture who, who am I disappointing? Am I disappointing the little girl that stood in the driveway and was braver than I'm being right now? And so every time something like this happens and, and, and just using that example, when Mike asked me where I got my degree, my heart sank. So it's not like I couldn't feel, I mean, I felt every last ounce of that confidence being ripped out of my hands. I, I felt like the wind was taken right out of my sails and, and knocked out of me. Um, but I had a choice in that moment. And the choice was to either say, I completely understand, just go ahead and give it to the next candidate or, or in crumble, or just say, you know what, Mike, here's, I'm not going to promise you anything, but I would rather over deliver, um, if you would give me the opportunity. Mm. So it's sort of like you take responsibility and accountability before it even happens. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, it's like, I, I made a vow to him and to myself that I was going to prove everybody and everything wrong. Mm. And so 
here's the greatest thing that I can share with you out of that. The world tells you one thing, your soul says something else. Mm. And the world told me I needed a degree. My soul said, bullshit, I can do this. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's, that's what I have learned, you know, in the thick of all of the things, like when the world is coming crashing down or someone has told you that you can't, or you've had a naysayer or a hater or anything, whatever circumstance that has knocked you on your butt, you have something going on in your soul that is saying, I don't think so. Mm. And, and that is, precisely what I want to do for women. That is exactly what I, I get out of bed every day for is to find the ability in my own circumstance to give some other woman, some other soul that is crying in, in her own pit of despair and give her permission to rise up mm. and show up the way that God has intended for her to. Oh, I love that. And knowing you, that's exactly, that's exactly what you do. So what is going on in your family life at this point? So, you know, you're, you just moved or you're moving now because you just totally rocked it with your boss (laughs) (laughs) and what's going on in your family life? Because right now you're about to move your family across the country. Mm. Um, you know, when life is fairly turbulent. (laughs) Very turbulent. So what I haven't shared at this point is obviously I, I had just gotten married. I met my husband um, in the midst of, you know, prior to the promotion and with my, you know, with my job, I had met my husband. We got married. Um, we got pregnant right away. So I just had a brand new baby. Um, unfortunately, at the very same time, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. So she was battling. And in the midst of her her fighting, my father was rushed to the hospital one day in July and we thought he was having a heart attack and it turns out that his lungs were filled with fluid Mm. and in four weeks he died of lung cancer. Mm. So here's your job. Here's your new opportunity. Mm. Everything's going to be awesome. A brand new start in life. Your mother's sick. You've got a brand new baby. You just got married. You're moving across country and you lose a parent. So every major stressor that we talk about, whether it's new job, cross country moves, a baby, a marriage, or a death all happened to me at one time. (laughs) And they talk about the five major stressors in life and those were them. And it all happened to me literally within like a few weeks. So when you talk about it again, you know, how much can you, how much can you handle? Uh, you know, that to me is where the glory was. The glory was in the fight. You know, the glory was in, in the struggle every single day, not coming out of it. And, um, so unfortunately I I lost my dad and it was such a sad time because it was just at the time where ironically, my parents actually were rekindling their relationship over the years. And my mom and dad, you know, again, they, they still loved each other just as passionately as they fought, like I said before. Um, and it was so nice to see my mom have some hope in a life when, in her life, when things were, weren't going so well for her health and then to lose him, um, was a really rough thing to watch. And then, and then I had to move. So we lose my dad and then I have to move. So now my mom's going through this all by herself. And I thought she was going to have my dad as a companion by her side. Um, so that was really tough. And we ended up going to, to Charlotte, North Carolina, and we spent about a year and a half there, um, in my job. But, you know, this was a, a time in life when my husband and I had, had partnered with the company and network marketing and thanks, thanks to you and Chris and, um, day after day after day, as much as I was so grateful for the company that I worked for and the opportunity they had given me and the skill sets they've helped me sharpen, 
I still had to wait for people to get sick in order to get paid. Mm -hmm. And I knew I was here for so much more. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to empower people, both, you know, uh, mind, body, spirit. Um, and I felt like I could do that to some capacity, um, in my job, but it just didn't, it was like a round peg in a square hole. You can try as many, many ways to make it fit and it's still not going to allow you to embody, um, what you are called here to do. So, um, I made a decision to transition out of corporate America and my husband and I put our foot on the pedal in network marketing and it has just blessed our lives in a way that we could never have imagined. And it's, it's freed our time. It's freed our finances. It's given us the opportunity to hone our skills and what we know that we're here and called to do. And we've, I've been able to develop my coaching now that I have, that I've launched and rebranded. And it's just, it's such a beautiful thing. Um, we're not in North Carolina anymore. We're in Arizona. My mom is, is still fighting like the warrior that she is. Um, and we've got another baby. So we have, we have two beautiful little girls and, and a happy marriage. And we've just built such a beautiful foundation. And all when we look back, we think, wow, we could have really self-sabotaged. Mm-hmm. You know, we could have really allowed all of these things to come crumbling down and make us stay where we were because we felt like we needed to be somewhere or we were stuck in our situation because of all of the things that life um, had thrown at us. But we chose to kind of go against the grain and um, take the load less, the road less traveled in order to get where we wanted to go. And it has really, truly made all the difference. I think that's the thing it's like you just basically summarized the toughest years of your life in a in a really quick way but as you guys can can listen it's like her story you know for the how long have I known you four years well Well, really good friends for four years but met in like 2008 yeah but really for the four years that I've known you to be really honest you guys have had some major blows every year um it's like Every year you've been trudging, but you have, um, every time I've been with you, you've been happy and Mm. yes, you've been sad, but you've been able to be happy and you've been able to look at life and be grateful for what it is and have so much gratitude for every day and just continue to say, yeah, this is happening, but what am I going to do with it? How am I going to share this in a way that helps people? And that's what I just, you know. I could talk to you for another hour, but this is, we're going to get you on here again so that we can really talk about some other stuff too. Mm -hmm. Um, but what I want to wrap up with is you, what you've been able to do with that now. So you've taken all of that where people could become a complete victim in their lives. And you know, we would say, that's okay. You can cry. You can mope. You can be a victim. You can, maybe you would, you know, you could stay and not ever have to work again and just sit and wallow because you've had so much pain, right? You've had so much pain, but you've taken that pain and you've utilized it and turned it into something so beautiful to help other people. And you've also said, you know, I want, I want that. I want to use that resistance and I want to turn it into muscle and I want to rise up and I want to show people how to connect. And I want to show people that sometimes this can be the most beautiful thing because it can teach you how to push through. So what have you done with it? And what are, I know you're creating some coaching right now. And what, what is that next thing, that purpose that you're doing right now with your programs? Well, you know, I just, I wanted these, uh, what the, the awareness that I had, this new awareness, if you will, and how to exercise these virtues necessary to live an extraordinary life and walking in your truth and in your agreement with God, like getting an agreement 
with what he wants for you. Because sometimes I feel like we, what we believe we want in life isn't really who we are at all. Um, so it's really a journey of rediscovery, refinement, reforming instead of conforming. And that's, that's why I've developed, um, the coaching that I have, I've, I call it solutions, um, S O U L because it's really an, um, the utilizing your soul to find the corrective course that you need in life. Um, and I really truly want women and, and men alike to have and regain dominion in those areas. So, you know, whether it's dominion in your body or dominion, um, in your spirit that you have control again, because you're called to have that. I really don't feel that you're, you're meant to be walking in, you know, a, a place of being victimized and like the world is on top of you and against you at all times. And I, th- I think what happens is people have these circumstances or things occur to them and they don't know any better and that's okay. But I think, you know, what I'm sent here to do is remind you that was it a really, was it really a bad day or a bad year or did you just milk it for a while? Mm. <laughs> um, and I have to give a little bit of tough love sometimes because if you choose to suffer, you've chosen. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, pain is going to happen. It's going to be inevitable. Things will happen in life that that aren't so favorable. But you can't you can't be in a suffering state in a state of gratitude at the exact same time. Mm, so amen. you you have to. And Lori, you're so amazing at this, and you've taught me too. You have to find gratitude. Mm. And when we were at our lowest points in life, even just up you know a year ago, when my mom, I had. I had to go to New Jersey for two and a half months where she is now um, while she was fighting, fighting for her life, going through chemo again. I was pregnant. I had a three-year-old with me who wasn't even three yet. Um, my husband, we're living in a house with eight different people and strong personalities. And I was like, oh my God, I went outside and I kicked the dirt, Lori. I kicked the dirt, mm. literally kicked the dirt and was just like looking at God going, why is this happening And I looked at David and he's like, what can I do? And I go, you know what? I just have to find the love and I have to find the gratitude. What am I grateful for right now? I am grateful for the ability to bring my family here and have the freedom in our lives because of this company that has given us that kind of time freedom. I am grateful for the beautiful people and the mentors and the friends that we have around us that support us while things aren't so great. I love my mother and I want to be the strength that she needs so that she can draw her own, you know, and so these are the things that I had to focus on. I had to really focus on everything that was beautiful in spite of the fact that everything looked like straight up hell. Mm. So what I'm encouraging the listeners to do is when you're in the thick of something right now, you better stop and bring yourself to your knees and find what you're grateful for. Mm. Find who you love. Revisit, you know, that child. Revisit the conversations that that you would have if you were staring at yourself as a little girl or a little boy and tell yourself what you would do. Mm. And, and that's, that's who I called upon that little girl. I called upon in the darkest hours of my life. I called upon her strength to lift me to my feet or drop me to my knees in prayer. But when I stood up, I stood tall and I was confident that I had to move ahead and that your, your feet point forward for a damn good reason. And that's something that we always talked about in martial arts. So you talk about how I cross-pollinated. I cross-pollinated all the virtues of a Proverbs 31 woman with the arts of, of a martial artist because, 
you start your forms with your feet forward and you end them with your feet forward because that symbolizes that you were always to move that direction in life. And so I think about these things every time I'm coaching, I think about those philosophies and how they fit and mold, um, you know, to, to help guide people and redirect their path. And, you know, it's just, it's so incredibly important to understand that we're all going to have it. We're all going to encounter things that, that suck, you know, Mm -hmm. but you really truly have to call upon that little girl or that little boy and ask yourself, what would you tell them Mm. right now? Right now, what would you tell them? Mm. And seriously, if anybody's crying, that's all good. Let it out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But on that note, I just want to tell you, I love you so much. Thank you so Mm -hmm. much for being on. Where can we find you? How can we connect with you? Uh, AngeliqueNori.com is my website. So all of my training from meal solutions, body solutions, life solutions, solutions for life is on AngeliqueNori.com. Um, you know, Facebook, Angelique Nori, I have a public page on there. My Instagram is also Angelique Nori. And I, I just, I love connecting with people. I will do everything I can to try to get to messages and, and be there. But, um, my coaching is probably the best way to reach me personally because I really feel that that's where I get to know people belly to belly and, and help them rise up and, and kind of own who they are and what they're here for. You know, just last wrap, when I think of you, it's literally, I, I think I wrote this to you, but it is like, you know, her brand is Lady Boss. So it is like spiritual, like boss, spiritual, <laughs> physical, beauty, grace. You, you just epitomize all of that to me. Um, And I'm just so grateful for you. So thank you so much for being on and make sure you go and follow her and you seriously will have greatness poured into you. So thank you so much for being on and I cannot wait for everyone to listen. Thank you. Love you, um, Lori, and love all the listeners out there. Awesome. Have a great day and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest thought, an honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye. Hey, I know if you're listening to this podcast that you have big dreams and big goals. And one of the things that can really stop you is struggling with your marketing. Trust me, I have been there. Are you using 10 different systems just to build your online business? Then I want you to try Kajabi. Kajabi helps you build your web pages, set up funnels, and sell your courses, content, coaching, or communities. You've been hearing me talk a lot about funnels on this podcast and the importance of your email list. You can get a free trial at kajabi.com. That's K-A-J-A-B-I.com. 
I've talked about Kajabi before, but here's something that's super cool and new. They just rolled out an AI assistant for creating your online course curriculum. And this means you just type in a topic that you wanna create on a course or webinar and bam, it just generates a sample outline for you. It takes a ton of the hard work away. Of course, you're gonna customize it to be your own, but this really helps you get over the struggle of how in the world to start which is where most people stop. If you're like me, starting is always the hardest part and that's what makes Kajabi so popular. They've made it easier for creators to build web pages, build courses, build coaching programs, build membership sites, build checkout pages and build email funnels. So if you're struggling with any of those, you gotta go check it out. Go to kajabi.com. Kajabi was really the first all-in-one system and is trusted by over 100,000 creators. I think that's good enough for me. Also as influencers and marketers use this and now their smart ai platform makes it easy to take what you know and turn it into an online course and business go start building with a free trial at kajabi.com that's k-a-j-a-b-i.com Hey all, I'm so excited to share with you, Earn Your Happy is now part of Growth Day Podcast Network. A bunch of us are coming together to bring more growth to the world and support shows and brands that we truly believe in. And one of my friends is also on the network and I'd love for you to go subscribe to his show. You guys, Trent Shelton has the most incredible podcast. It's called Straight Up with Trent Shelton. And it's going to remind you that you are built for this. I have heard Trent speak in person multiple times. I've listened to his podcast a ton. He's coming on the show and I literally cannot wait because this man just spits straight fire. It is like truth that goes to your core and makes you take action right away. If you want one of those podcasts that when you're just out on a walk, you can't help but want to start running and run through a wall in your life, this is the show to go listen to. So you guys make sure that you go subscribe to the show straight up with Trent Shelton. You're going to love it. Want to know a huge secret to my success? Okay, not only my success, but just about every single person that I have interviewed on this podcast who is successful has this in common. You guys, they love to journal. They capture their life lessons and what they're grateful for. But a lot of people don't keep this up consistently. And most people do know that the research shows that journaling deepens your gratitude and increases self-awareness. But did you also know that journaling decreases stress and helps you achieve your goals faster? In fact, journaling is a huge differentiator between average performers at work and high-performing people. It leads to longer-term clarity, confidence, and success. So why don't more people journal? Why didn't I journal consistently? Honestly, they don't like staring at a blank page. It's hard to carry a book around with you or a notepad, and they just don't even know what to write about, or they just forget. 
That's why I know that you're going to love Growth Day. It's the world's number one system for self-improvement, and it's like all-in-one personal development in an app. And it has an awesome digital journal, and people love it. Growth Day's digital journal has hundreds of research-backed writing prompts for self-reflection, positive mindset, confidence building, and success. I use them all the time, and it makes me think in ways that I typically don't, and it makes me ask myself better questions, which we all know gets better results in our life. It even has prompts that help you develop a daily, weekly, or monthly habit of reflecting on your life and identifying areas to grow. So it's a perfect time of year to start journaling, you guys. When you sign up at Growth Day, you also get systems for habit tracking, goal setting, and scoring and improving every area of your life. Best of all, I get to teach there too, you guys. I'm so excited. I hope that I get to see you. I teach live in Growth Day every single month with a new topic just for you. So join me there. Start your free trial at growthdate.com slash Lori.